Good morning. It is November 19th, and welcome to another edition of Outlook. My name's Brian, and... <laughs> My name's Carrie. Nice to have you back. It's been... We weren't here last week with our, well, relatively new show. We've been doing Outlook now for a couple months, I guess. Yep, since September. Yeah, so last week we were preempted for Remembrance Day programming. And I think we were going to start out by sort of touching on how that kind of relates in a, some way to our show, which we discuss accessibility, equality. And advocacy. Advocacy and all tying in with blindness, but other, other disabilities as well. Yeah, so... I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense. The connection, um, we're Outlook CFB, so we're with the Canadian Federation of the Blind, but I'm sure what most people have heard of is the Canadian National Institute for the for Blind. The, blind. the CNIB. You, st- you st- stopped there. Uh, I always forget what the hesitant? for or the of. Oh. It does matter if you ask people like us. Right. But, um, so, they started right after World War One, and uh, the we, CNIB yeah the right? CNIB yeah. we could do a whole episode in future on this I suppose if we got a certain person to interview or enough information um, I just wanted to mention it because it did matter uh, a lot of men came home from Europe blinded from mustard gas and other things losing eyes things <laughs> lovely things mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so a lot of them came back blind um, you know, I mean, you often hear about soldiers coming back without without limbs and things, but you don't often hear as much about blindness, but it was a big thing. So these men came back, and uh, back in 1918, there was a lot less resources for blind people then, obviously. So back then, they were just barely helping blind men, which if you think about it, men are usually... <laughs> um, the ones who get help before the women or other minorities, especially in 1918. So these men would have returned, and a couple of them came together to form the CNIB because there weren't any services for the blind, so they sort of made it their mission to to get some stuff together for them so they could move on after the war. So that was just a little um, piece, of advi- uh, piece of information. <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, for sure. So that was 100 years ago now, mm-hmm. the ending so of the... CNIB is celebrating their 100-year anniversary, and uh, they have plans for the next 100 years. But um, like we've said before, we have our, our issues with them, and we are working with the Canadian Federation of the Blind. But, you know, wherever, but, wherever a blind yeah. person gets their help... The CNIB still does does offer some good services, and we've used them over the years as well, so... You know, it's something we're going to definitely dis- discuss in the sh- on future episodes of the show as well. But yeah, our show is, o- is geared towards the CFB, or Canadian Federation of the Blind. So, we're going to move on then from the war and Remembrance <laughs> Day and, yeah. and move on to today's topic, which is maps and mobility... Uh, specific to maps today, but we will probably touch on mobility a little bit as well. So, Brian, let me ask you something. Do you remember when we used to 
uh, go to amusement parks, Canada's Wonderland or Disney World, when we were kids, and we get to the park and the we'd get, you know, we'd um, pay and get in, and they would have a, they'd hand out maps, obviously, of the park. So we'd stand there in the entrance way, and our parents would like stand there and look at this map and say okay so what's where and this you know this shows here at whatever time and this rides all the way over on the other side of the park and yeah sort of plan which rides do you want to go on what's <laughs> what's, what's more convenient to get from this one to this one we should do it in this order <laughs> based on a map and it's it's an interesting point because <clears throat> I, I noticed the same thing or another memory I have is when you go, when you go to malls all the time and you're trying to find out where yes, a store is. Same thing, yeah. Yeah, you stand at the front and there's that big board with there's a list of all the stores and then there's the map showing you where they are. And it's one of those things that still isn't incorporated in businesses that much, which it should be, is having tactile versions of maps because <laughs> for someone like us, you know, we can't obviously look at the map, and that's kind of where our discussion goes today. Is has to do with maps and having even though not being able to see still having a i guess you would say picture in your in your head or at least an idea in your head of what's where and what's in relation to other things in a in a specific environment yeah i mean they would you might assume that a blind person can't see so they don't need or they couldn't you might not think about it but um it is very important and we actually brought in a few examples, which obviously on the air you can't see, but we brought them in for reference so that we can talk about it better. But So, like you said, parks, malls, like national parks even, malls, all these places should have tactile menu uh, menus. Well, what I was going to say is it's kind of like the menu issue in the restaurants, Yeah, menus right? are important as well. And it's not that hard. There are companies out there. There are ways to get a Braille menu made, just like there are ways to get tactile maps made. For a good example, our own mother could have started a map making business. <laughs> yeah, she only made maps for us, um, so she had a lot of time to put into the maps as well. Yeah, but yeah, she always made very creative, creative maps for us, and she actually made one that we have here today of London when I moved here six years ago. And doesn't you know? It's you need things to be a little bit bigger. For, to make into a map where you can feel it because it's of just course. just like Braille where it's a lot a lot uh, larger than it takes up print more space would be. Than... A map is the same thing. Plus, you don't also don't want to intimidate someone with a map. So, mm-hmm. what uh, what our mom pointed out earlier, and I remember talking about over the years. I I was pretty young when it actually happened, but is starting out for with a blind child. It's starting out with a a very small map of something that they can they you know they can relate to or is is makes more sense for them so she made a map of our our yard but even how even my bedroom yeah, i think i say point. you start with inside the house yeah. or even your i had this assignment in high school uh i forget for what class where i had to make a map of my bedroom and like make it to scale and all that stuff um so yeah basically a blind child would spend enough time in their bedroom it's a small enough little room that they would know okay my bed's here my dresser's here the window's here and so you make a map of that so they have that in their head already and then they feel it tactily with their fingers and then like you say you go to your yard which our yard was always pretty big right so we even needed the map to know what was where in our yard 
right? Because we could get lost <laughs> in our backyard. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things that we lived out in the country growing up, and even still, the backyard is quite large and so open that I'm still not even like fully familiar. Once you kind of get out in the middle of a of, of an open yard like that, it can be kind of disorienting disorienting because yeah you don't you know it's just a big space it's similar to a lot of things like a parking lot is another example of that mm-hmm. they're so open and uh just i mean with a parking lot it's difficult because there's rows of cars and there's there's shopping cart corral things but it's just you know it's so open but even a yard like you're in, where i'm from now i can hear i could even have an issue when i'm walking in my backyard trying to go back to the back fence with some flower beds and stuff. Getting back right to the deck to get inside it can be a bit of an issue, but at least in, in town, you can hear the street, right? That's a sort of a good... Yeah, it gives you a bit of a landmark. Audio, and I mean, we had a, a country road nearby that was yeah, pretty busy thing, and you it? would hear, but yeah. when you're in the backyard, that's still pretty far away and it Quite can still away. be kind of like... When I was a little kid, I remember getting lost in the in the backyard at a couple times and being out there for and you're a little it kid. felt like a long time I mean it's I'm sure scary. I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> I wasn't lost for hours or something in our yard but it was probably you know a little while you feel scared when you're young and you feel like everybody went in the house and you're like wait wait for me but so anyway you start with stuff like that um so I don't know if you remember the, the a concept if that's still a thing with mothers but there was a thing called the baby book yeah, I kind of remember that. If you so, want to go yeah, into more detail, I used to love looking through my baby book when I was a young girl, uh, because one of the things near the end of the baby book was the little map my mom made. Our mom made of um, this the road out in front of our house, the highway that leads into a little a little subdivision called Sweeberg. And at the time, I was in kindergarten grade one whatever I could see large print so for her map making then she used dark markers and she made a map of the highway into the subdivision and then the turn to the school and the little turn where my friend's house was so she did stuff like that so for me in the early days she could use marker dark marker and so did our orientation and mobility instructor she made a map of our elementary school East Oxford school with a dark marker for me for you she had to use I believe she used like a fuzzy sparkly what was that stuff yeah, called? yeah I, I do remember the, the map of our elementary school East Oxford school out what, in the country but I can't, can't remember the, the map fuzzy, well anymore. the wire with fuzzy stuff on it <laughs> I can't think of the word anyway I keep wanting to say Q-tip but that's just not it <laughs> no definitely not <laughs> So I guess kind of like the the importance of maps is really it's something that like we mentioned starting on a small scale and it's it's very important and I feel like there still isn't enough out there for and a lot there are still a lot of blind people who don't use maps or aren't comfortable using maps and it is unfortunate because it really does help you to get an idea of your surroundings before you go you go traveling cuz what blind people often will do is they will take someone's elbow, sighted guide, or you get in a car with sighted people and they drive and you turn this way and then you turn on this street and then, you know, or you maybe 
or get directions like you'll get when you go somewhere and somebody at a desk will say, yeah, it's just yeah, so down it's that hallway like, and then a left and then a right. You can memorize that in the moment and you can maybe find your way. But if you haven't practiced studying maps, once you start going and following that person's direction, if something, if they met, if they got it wrong, you know, you just don't have the skills to sort of comp or improvise in the moment and 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 help yourself because you haven't had enough practice. Yeah, and I mean that that kind of ties into another topic which we'll discuss more detail in another episode more specific to mobility, but is the is this this term structural discovery where it's instead of just learning a route where it's pretty much walk down to the corner then turn right then turn left then do that and you learn these specific routes but the rest of it, things you don't know. It's, it's more so being aware of your surroundings and really listening and being able to problem solve. And by having a map in your head or at least, you know, having some, a tactile map of your surroundings before you go travel, you can, you can feel like this map of London that I have, the street I live on, kind of, it curves at one point. So it's heading east and west and then it, then it slowly curves to head north. So there's, there's things like that where you wouldn't, if you're just walking, you might notice it's gradually turning when you're on a street, but you don't get that same visual sort of picture in your head. And it a- another big thing is the is the cardinal direction. So you're northeast, southwest, <laughs> which ties into maps for never sure. Never eat shredded wheat. <laughs> never eat soggy wieners. <laughs> Remember those rhymes? You learn these little tricks when you're little and you're you're having uh, a mobility lesson. (laughs) But I I do think those directions are another common thing that a lot of blind people were taught them and and know them, but there's also a portion of people who are blind who aren't as confident with their directions as they need to be because it just ties in with maps that it really, you know, helps you to know where you are and where you're heading. So... So you're listening to Outlook on CHRW Radio Radio Western, and you can follow us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at OutlookCFB for Canadian Federation of the Blind. Yeah, so OutlookCFB on Twitter. and So explain to people who aren't obviously seeing the map, Bri, what, what you're feeling. What's it made of? What's, what is there on that? What makes that map a map? Well, I'm actually not sure where the map went. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we set it down somewhere. Here. It is pretty big, like we said. So basically, it's made on a big um, pizza box. The back of the Sebastian's, which is a pizza L- place in Woodstock. Woodstock pizza box. Um, a pizza box. And then, basically, what our mother does is she looks at a map of London and she makes pencil a pencil drawing of the streets on the angles and the curves of different streets and then she cuts out strips of cardboard and sticks them on and those are the streets she used a piece of string for the Thames she used little dots of so basically a craft store would be your best friend if you're going to be a map maker for yeah and I think there's a difference because we've had maps from like other maps that are just Sort of, they enlarge a map and then they trace the whole map with with um, they can use puffy, puffy, paint, puffy paint and stuff like yeah. that, and and I mean whatever works. But having having a map like like a craft store, as Carrie just mentioned, is a great a great idea because you can use different materials for different things to mark like like the the Thames River 
on this map of London I yeah, have. Yeah, see, and if, then, she'd used, if she'd used cardboard strip for the river, you would, you'd have to label it with the, the word Yeah, Thames. you put Braille on the maps as well to but label then, what streets are, but it... It doesn't to, stand out as much, and no. it doesn't give that same impression as if it's, you, can't, you know, use a few the, different textures. and Yeah, in the moment, you can't feel it, and like, oh, that's the river. You'd have to feel, and these are long streets and long rivers, so what you do is you label them the name of the street in Braille. But, you know, you put that label in one spot along the whole street, so you got to feel. So it's quicker if you just have different materials for different things. It's like a key of a map, kind of. So that's how this map was made. And uh, you've used it, right? It's just handy to have. Yeah, I mean, not not so much anymore because I have a kind of a... I, there's still tons of London I don't know, like areas that I don't go to. But I still I have a pretty good overview of where I need to be and where things are as far as the main streets with Dundas and Oxford and Richmond and like the main streets downtown and then Fanshawe because I went to school there. So I know that that's far east in London. And here we're at Western, closer to where I live, which is west of Richmond and it's in in the other the other side of London. So I already have kind of an overview and that's that's another point of it is you want a map that gives you an idea of what's around but you also don't want to overdo it. So you want to have you just focus on specific streets and specific landmarks that you're actually using instead it, of, you know. It could be overwhelming if we gave this map to s- certain blind people who haven't had as much exposure to maps, they would be totally lost. And like Brian says, you have to you have to use the map to start to start with, and then from there you start building a map inside your head, which you've done of mo- many parts of London. Um, going broader than a, a city, um, I have here something I bought at the National Braille Conference we were at a couple weeks ago in Toronto. It's an Atlas of Canada, and um, this particular company, they were there presenting. And that's, that's where I bought this. Um, they are called Tactile Vision Graphics. So, you know, look them up. Um, I think I wanted to support a local sort of business. And so I bought a few tactile dinosaur books um, for my nephews for Christmas. And this, this um, atlas is for me. Because if you're trying to envision what a city looks like, imagine trying to envision what Canada looks like. And that's, that's again, something growing up in elementary school with the vision aid and stuff, we were made maps as well. And like you'd mentioned earlier, I guess, yours were with with marker because you could see a little bit more then. But mine were, you. Um, she would use a glue gun sometimes to make lines. So I remember the map of Canada um, in the early grades but in also school. They have, what were those plastic maps? It was just like a plastic Instead of cardboard, it was plastic with tactile, bumpy, bumpy cut uh, shapes to fill the country. So, and then, of course, there's little dots and little braille labels so you know what's where. But this atl- atlas is a giant book. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's quite we big. asked them what they make the countries with because they're very detailed, actually, um, very fine. Mm, it could be like a puffy paint in a way. It feels like it, but it's. I'm sure these days with technology, it's um, you know you're getting better products, and obviously you're getting not just a, a book like I have here with all the provinces broken down in each page, um, different smaller parts of each province. But nowadays, maps are getting more complicated now that we have Google Maps and things. Right? You use stuff like that which does give you turn right turn left directions that's a little harder because you can't with that but like sighted people can look on the screen and see a little map yeah you just, still get a map so with those apps we just listen when they tell us where to turn 
and it's one of those things with with more tactile graphics being being uh, developed there's you know over time there's going to be larger braille displays and hopefully this type of thing can be you know, more made more tactile off of a of google maps or something but generally if i do take if i do use google maps here living in london to get somewhere i i still know the layout of london well enough that it does just help me to know okay in in like 200 meters your destination is on your left like finding an exact spot it's not you know it's it's not like i'm just totally depending on google maps and i have no idea of where i am right exactly it's another tool and it helps that you've had all the years of practice with other ways of doing it that you have had really helps but but i think it's important that blind people understand the layout of their country and their even their the world just like anyone else yeah and i mean a map of a map of Canada is going to be a little different because you're going to just kind of look at an overview of well, everything. It's not. That's why with this Atlas book here, it really does break it down, but then it gets hard because you feel a whole sort of overview, basic map of the shape of Canada. Then you try and break it down into each province because then by then you kind of know what's where from left to right or whatever, but it's still hard. Yeah, I mean... It's so big. Even I, I've had practice with maps since I was really young, as I mentioned before, but... Even that atlas, when I looked at it, it was, it is pretty overwhelming. Just because there is so much in there, and it's they do a great job, like you say, with the different surfaces for water and and mountains and all of this stuff. But it's still it's still definitely not a good place for someone visually impaired to start with because it is <laughs> it is a little bit a little much. And but it you know it still it still does give you an idea of the shapes of countries and you know it. It is, it is still really neat. Well, just to turn to a random page here, I have Manitoba, and there's Saskatchewan, and then there's, like, lines and dots for, um, it just says PA and FL and TH, which, again, you have to look at the key, but it has the, the angle of each sort of area, and then it has a really bumpy, scratchy spot that would be the water. So, yeah, I mean... This is like a geography lesson. You basically need, like, you take it to geography class or something. You need. Yeah, it's a little more for studying and actually like <laughs> learning things. But it's because we had a globe growing up that had the same thing. Our mother put. Um, and they also they did make those as well, guns, like raised raised yeah, globes well, you could buy. Globes but always kind of had well, not yeah, all of them. Some of them, some had of them did bumpy though, yeah. stuff, but it wasn't very defined. But. So yeah, so that's just a skill that we're both quite proud we have, and that's due to our our parents, our the school system, and our our, our mob- they, ori- orientation and mobility growing up. That's what they call that. Now that's a bit of a mouthful every time I yeah, say it, yeah. but <laughs> but yeah, pretty much it's it's an instructor that that you know takes you on on routes, and you know we learned like we mentioned earlier we had the map of our elementary school so we started with that and then we expanded out into Woodstock the city near where we uh, grew up so you know it's it's all about did you ever see the cast our high school the high school one or was that always just for me no I definitely saw it yeah it's that one was really cool our, our mobility instructor made that at the time but that was really very beautifully done with like foam pad pieces of foam and beautiful so yeah, I just kind of want to emphasize how important it is to, you know, if you know anyone who's visually impaired or if you're a parent of someone who's who's visually impaired, that this this is really important and it's something that isn't isn't uh, done enough. I feel so. It's you know it's it's very important to be aware of your surroundings and not just sort of 
move through life and things where it's like, okay, turn left, turn right, turn right, and then you're here. It's better to know that you're heading north and then you turn right, so you're heading east, and then you turn left, so you're heading north again. Like there's there's a lot of things like that that uh, you know really really do help out in daily life and yeah, it's a very important topic. So that's kind so. of our part part one of this sort of topic and next time we're going to get more into how we how we get here to give a good example which is using structural discovery and mobility lesson teachings from the past and then how we do roots and how we find our way so that will be another episode so yeah so most people don't know anything about this map stuff i thought it would just be fun to talk about for sure there's lots of different areas of mobility we can discuss so this is just this is just one of them so we're going to definitely have some future episodes so focused on, on mobility and but yeah no, that's a that's a great great idea is trying to get more businesses in involved and starting to have more accessible maps you know wherever you go as a blind person so you know where to go and how to get around and all right all right so we will be back with another episode of outlook next week next Monday yep it's been fun and tell them oh, go oh. to Twitter <laughs> at Outlook CFB <laughs> and follow our page and we also post episodes on Mixcloud or Soundcloud sorry <laughs> <laughs> getting mixed up with my other show but SoundCloud. Soundcloud you can find our episodes as well but just just go to the Twitter we'll share the links there mm-hmm. bye have a good week bye